0: Above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy state politics. I of course am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the big horns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. We begin this morning with the news that Cowboy state politics broke yesterday that Wyoming Secretary of State Chuck Gray has referred Representative Cyrus Western and Johnson County Commission Chairman Bill Novotny to the Wyoming Attorney General for investigation and possible prosecution. All of this stems from their involvement in a mailer that was sent out during last year's primary election. If you live in Sheridan or Johnson County, you probably got one in the mail, you just didn't even realize it because you threw it in the trash with the hundreds of other campaign advertisements that you received. I've posted copies of the mailer at the website so that you can check it out for yourself. But what made it illegal is the mailer claimed to be paid for by a non-existent political action committee that they called WINO, Wyoming in name only. In a Freudian moment of honesty, the name of their fictitious pack, Wino, is ironic if you know either one of these two politicians. The mailer was paid for through Cyrus Western's campaign account, through a money order that Bill Novotny purchased in Gillette, and then mailed with a return address to Cyrus's Bighorn home. In politics, they always say that the cover-up is worse than the crime, and it's absolutely true in this case why didn't bill novotney walk across the street from his office and purchase a money order in buffalo because he was attempting to cover it up but they weren't alone in their attempt to conceal their involvement in this alleged crime the buffalo bulletin known colloquially as the buffalo bull if you live in johnson county published an article on february 2nd under the title of commissioner novotney cleared quote according to a case review and declination form signed on December 30th, 2022 by Assistant County Attorney Clint Beaver. No campaign finance laws were violated when a mailer sent to Johnson and Sheridan County residents entitled Howdy Pilgrim criticized the politics of four members of the PAC Wyoming is Right. Only one member of the PAC was a candidate for county precinct committee man. Quote, the case is being declined because the CAO has determined that Wyoming statute 2225-110 is not applicable to campaign advertisement with regard to party precinct man and precinct women, Beaver wrote. End quote. A few weeks after, the Sheridan County Attorney's Office rescinded that declination and then claimed that Sheridan County is not the proper jurisdiction to prosecute the crime. But do you think that the Buffalo Bulletin issued a retraction. Do you think that they corrected their inaccurate reporting? But they weren't alone. Wyoming Speaker of the House Albert Somers busied himself with dismissing complaints regarding the matter. From a dismissal letter sent to one of the complainants from Story, Wyoming, and I quote, From these facts, you conclude that Representative Western's actions in relation to the mailer were criminal in nature and that he should be removed from his legislative office for these actions. At this point, it is important to note that your allegations against Representative Western involve actions he took while a a private citizen, not while acting within his legislative capacity. An alleged violation of the Wyoming Election Code is not one of the enumerated violations which can be investigated as misconduct involving legislative duties under Joint Rule 22-1. Skip a little bit. While there may be instances where a legislator's conduct as a private citizen is so egregious that the House of Representatives has a duty to investigate and discipline that legislator, the facts as alleged in your complaint do not reach the necessarily high threshold required for the House to take such an action." End quote. This is absolutely preposterous. What Speaker Somers is claiming is that Representative Western was acting as a private citizen when this mailer was sent out and thus it is not the purview of the House of Representatives. That's not even close to the truth. The House of Representatives can remove any member for any reason if they have a two-thirds majority vote. Essentially, what Somers is arguing is that it doesn't really matter what you do. If you don't do it during the course of your legislative duties, then they can't do anything about it. That's equally as absurd as the bulletins claim that Johnson County Commissioner Bill Novotny had been cleared by the Sheridan County Attorney's Office. Neither of those things are even remotely true. From Secretary of State Gray's letter to the Wyoming Attorney General Bridget Hill, and I quote, after a thorough review of the complaints and the Sheridan County Sheriff's Office investigation, I am deeply troubled and concerned by the use of these mailers as a means to thwart the Wyoming Election Code and violate Title 22. There is evidence to suggest that the mailers constituted an electioneering communication, as that term is defined by Wyoming Statute 22-25-101, either by virtue or its reference to a candidate for precinct man, Uh, paired with the language vote no on us conservative imposters, end quote, or by the combination of the vote no language and the design and type front of the mailer, which can be reasonably interpreted as an appeal to vote against Cyrus Western's primary opponent. As such, these mailers were subject to the requirements and restrictions governing electioneering communications and campaign advertising in Title 22, end quote. In other words... It's time to do your job, Madam Attorney General. As I've told you before on this program, this matter is far from over. This segment of the program is brought to you by New Trend Hats. If you haven't noticed, it's still snowing. Spring in Wyoming is synonymous with the word snow, which means you're still going to have to shovel the walk. There's nothing I hate more than having cold ears when I'm working outside. Though I don't work outside all that often, I'm too busy behind this microphone reporting to you on the trials and tribulations of wayward politicians. In any case, when I have to go outside, I don't like my ears to get cold. Now, the way that you can prevent that from happening is to go to NewTrendHats.com. They've got a warm hat for just about everyone. So go to NewTrendHats.com and keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's NewTrendHats. One final note on this whole Cyrus Western, Bill Novotny business. When Cowboy State politics broke the story, the Wyoming media waited at least two days to print anything. Really, they didn't print anything until they had to. This time around, both the Red Star and the Cow Pie have printed an article. If I had to guess, I'd say there's nothing in the Buffalo Bullsheet about it this week. And as of yet... Neither the Sheridan Press nor Sheridan Media has an article regarding the matter. The Buffalo Bulletin is definitely covering for Johnson County Commission Chairman Bill Novotny. This is evidenced by their erroneous article that was printed on February 2nd. Bill Novotny hadn't been cleared of anything. The Sheridan County Attorney just declined to prosecute. That doesn't mean you're not guilty of a crime. And the Sheridan Press and perhaps Sheridan Media are doing the same thing for Cyrus Western. This is a time for local newspapers to actually do their job. To report events as they happen and to stop playing their dumb political games. Does anyone want to lay a bet on when they'll start doing that? I'll report to you when the Hazard County Bulletin finally decides to do what it is that they claim to do. Moving on. On Sunday, I sat down with Dr. Douglas Frank... Now, you may have heard that name. He's a fairly controversial figure when it comes to the 2020 election. He claims to be able to prove widespread election fraud in every single state. And if you listen carefully, he claims it's in every single county in the country, including Wyoming. Just about every single social media platform has censored him, or at least attempted to. After our interview had concluded, he cautioned me that if I had a YouTube channel, that our interview would be immediately taken down. We'll see what Facebook does with this. Representative Ken Pendergraft joined us for our discussion. We actually had to do it remotely since I was unable to get to Sheridan to do this interview in person. In any case, here's the discussion between me, Ken Pendergraft, and Dr. Douglas Frank. Well, I'm joined today by our good friend, Ken Pendergraft, excuse me, Representative Ken Pendergraft, and our special guest, Dr. Douglas Frank. Gentlemen.
1: That's that's Mr. Representative
0: to you, David. Just don't forget (laughs) that you work for me now, Ken. (laughs) Love you too. Ken and I are joined by Dr. Douglas Frank. Welcome to Cowboy State Politics, Doctor. Thank you. Good to be here. The way I start out every interview is I just ask you to just tell our listeners about yourself. I'm like
2: most people. I like talking about myself, (laughs) so I'm happy to to take that invitation. Uh, I'm a scientist. I did science aggressively for the first part of my career. I have 60 scientific publications and mostly physics kinds of things, and then I left academics and went into business for myself for many years, but throughout the entire time since I was about... 20 years old, I've been modeling elections, modeling epidemics, using mathematics to predict the world around me. It's kind of a hobby, but also a a pedagogy I use in a lot of my classes. I've been teaching my whole career. So um, you can imagine what 2020 was like for me, uh, dealing with epidemics and elections at the same time. And uh, after the election in 2020, I was invited by the Pennsylvania State Legislature to look at their elections. You'll remember when Doug Mastriano held that hearing at the end of November. Uh, After that, I was brought in by a committee in the House and a committee in the Senate and began exploring the elections. And as part of a team, we uncovered tons of fraud in, in Pennsylvania, just massive amounts. The county I focused on, Montgomery County, one in five ballots were not from the person who they thought it was from. And they were phantom ballots, it's called. It's
1: just. And this is at the federal level or at the state level? That
2: was in Pennsylvania at the state level. Right. Okay. And at the time I was thinking, okay, you know, this state is really a mess. And I showed the legislature, they agreed. um, And they agreed. We showed the mechanism that was being used. The election was being hacked through the rolls. We showed them that and they agreed. And they threw out their entire state voter rolls I thought I was saving the country there in December of 2020. Uh, but three days after they hired a firm to rebuild the roles, that firm was bought by Zuckerberg. And that was the moment I woke up and I realized they were trying to cover up the whole thing. They weren't going to really address the problem. And so at that point, I said, well, that's just, you know, this is just going to be one state that's that's uh, corrupt. You know, maybe Wisconsin, maybe Georgia, you know, maybe there are a few other places that are corrupt. But, you know, they were Republican majority. And so I just assumed, OK, you know, maybe this is just a corrupt state. But then I did Florida next and then North Carolina and Ohio and Colorado. And I was blown away everywhere I looked. I used the same kinds of methodologies that I developed in Pennsylvania. And I was covering fraud everywhere and bringing it to the attention of secretaries of states, attorneys generals, legislatures and I was shocked to learn most of them already knew, uh, but they weren't ready to fix it. They weren't ready to address it. And so I guess the, the message that I've been carrying ever since, I haven't been doing nothing since December of 2020 but this. I've set my career aside I um, almost every day somewhere. I did 300 talks last year, 120 plane flights, um, just constantly on the road teaching counties how to find fraud and what to do about it and how to take back their elections. The bottom line is the message I'm carrying is for about 20 years straight now, our states have been systematically centralizing their elections. So a shorthand shorthand way of saying that is that every state is controlling their elections centrally now. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is that The state systems are totally porous and easy to manipulate and easy to hack. And so to have a centralized system makes you vulnerable to that. And I've been able to show in county after county um, around the country, I've done almost 2,000 counties down to infinite detail now. Um, But I've studied 2,800 counties total. It's everywhere. And why is it everywhere? Well, because there's this other interesting aspect. The federal government's installed sensors in every county in the country and every state capital in the country. And those are all networked. And guess what? All you have to do is get into that network and you're into every state, every county in the country. And so that's basically my bottom line message is I help counties learn what they need to do to take back their elections. Uh, They need to take them back from the state, run them locally, like we did for the first couple hundred years of our Lies, You know, most people remember what elections were like before 2000. And that's that's what we need to get back to. Somebody had the bright idea to use computers, you know, maybe after some hanging chads. Somebody got the bright idea to use computers to do elections and it was a dumb idea. We have to go back. And, you know, we're we're just so duped as a country. Uh, The Netherlands was trying to convert over to machines during 2020. They saw what happened in America. They got went completely back to paper. Ninety percent of Europe's all paper. They do it in one day. Hand count the ballots that night to report the tallies that night. What what do we do in America? You know, we take months and months of electronics and machines and non transparency, and then we argue about it for two years. It's just insane. We need to get back to the way we used to do it, which is the most secure state-of-the-art way to hold elections all the election experts agree that that's the state of the art so you know i don't know what's wrong with us but for some reason 150 countries in the world require you know do modern elections and 149 of them require photo ids you know what's wrong with us we're duped so basically i'm sounding the alarm and teaching people what to do about it
0: okay As I'm sure you, of all people, are aware, this is a pretty polarizing topic. I mean, it is even in Wyoming. And just to give you a quick example, uh, in Park County, which is over by Yellowstone Park, there was a group of citizens that wanted to audit the election. The Secretary of State said, well, no, they couldn't couldn't audit the 2022 election. And so this group of folks said, well, how about letting us look at the 2020 ballots? And their county commissioners said no. Interestingly enough, the Secretary of State, and at the time we had an inter, not an interim Secretary of State, but he had filled a uh, um, the position for our outgoing Secretary, and he actually said, "Well, yeah, I don't really see any problem with this." Well, Park County destroyed the ballots two days before the deadline, and so you know whether or not there was a problem, nobody could verify it. So now you mentioned. Uh, that there are different types of fraud, and so what I'd like to do with this interview is kind of take it systematically, if we could. Sure. And um, so let's start with what kind of fraud. I mean, what are the types of fraud that you've been looking at or encountering?
2: Well, there are, we've I've proven multiple types. Um, I, for example, I've worked with Mike Lindell. Um, I've looked at the electronic recordings he has of the election being hacked. So there's machine manipulation, in other words. There's electronic manipulation. That's one way of doing it. Um, um, there's fraud through the voter rolls, uh, and I explained, introduced you to that a second ago with the Pennsylvania situation. There's um, just good old-fashioned ballot stuffing where people um, collect ballots and fill them out and turn them in or they buy them from people. So there, there's a variety of kind of fraud. What what I focus on is the kind of fraud that a citizen can prove with their own hands, because what I've learned is that it doesn't matter how good your evidence is, uh, nothing's gonna happen until the citizens realize what's happening to them, and the fastest way to wake up a citizen is to have them find fraud with their own hands, and that spreads like wildfire once once I get that that bonfire started in the county. It's like it turns into a bunch of treasure hunts. All the people are looking for fraud. And before you know it, the whole thing's blown wide open. And let me give you an example of what that would be like. Let's say that the voter rolls say that there are, you know, five people that live at a place, a, a certain residence, and four of them voted. And so you go knock on that door, and Mr. and Ms. Smith answer the door, and they say, you know, and you say, hey, you know, we're checking the voter rolls here. It says five people live here, and four of them voted. And Mr. and Ms. Smith say, yeah, but who are those other three people? Uh, It's just me and Mama, and we've lived here for 10 years. Then what you've just done is uncovered fraud uh, that's taking place from that residence. And the beautiful thing about that is that they're – Mr. and Mrs. Smith are now converts. They've you've evangelized them, and they will tell all the people in their community, uh, their neighborhood, that that the fraud was happening there. And the second thing that happens is the person who found it with their own hands now they're a believer. They know, wow, this is real. I've actually finding it with my own hands. And then third thing we do is we get a several community members together doing that sort of process. And before you know it, you have a nice pile of affidavits, and that empowers the citizens. So that's the kind of fraud I like to work on. Because it's provable, and you know you're not just dismissed as a bunch of conspiracy wingnuts. You you've found real fraud. You can prove it. You can show it to the sheriff. He can validate it, and that empowers the citizens.
0: Okay, so let's let's just take a minute here and define exactly what the word fraud means.
2: Well, for example, there's a difference between an illegal vote and a fraudulent vote. Um, an illegal vote would be. Let's say that somebody is um, was not a resident and they applied for an absentee ballot here and got it and voted. It was them voting. You know, maybe they were moving three months before the election and you have a one-month residency requirement or something like this, and so they voted illegally. I wouldn't call that fraud. That's they they didn't follow the rules. That's an illegal vote. A fraudulent vote would be one where. Um, You show up at the polls to vote and you're told, nope, you've already voted. And what that means is somebody has assumed your identity in some way, whether they got an absentee ballot in your name and and voted in your place or they used a phony ID to come to the polls. What I usually find is that people are ordering absentee ballots and they're stealing identities. That would be a fraudulent ballot. There and there's thousands of those. I, I mentioned the Pennsylvania case where one in five of the ballots that were tallied were not from the person you thought it was from. They were they were fraudulently obtained, fraudulently cast.
0: Okay. Now one of the things that I noticed in the past election, and of course, Ken, you're you're probably familiar with this too, is that you know, you get a list of registered voters and you might find that there are four or five different people that are registered at one address that perhaps haven't li- haven't lived there you know for quite some time and in one case i think there were two two previous families still on the voter rolls at the same address and hadn't lived there for several years is that a form of fraud or is that just a matter of the county clerk not being vigilant with the voter rolls
2: that's a great question i it's, it's only fraud if those families that no longer live there somehow voted from that residence. That would be fraud. And anyone who has access to the rolls and notices that those people are no longer there and then uses those names, they would be committing election fraud. Uh, but the, the, the thing about the rolls that's – you're correct. They're dirty. But most states don't even allow the clerks to clean them up anymore. The, they that's handled at the state level um, fewer and fewer tasks are being managed locally so for example if you were the local clerk you would know that those families aren't there anymore because you would be checking that yourself locally but most clerks around the country have been have had those tasks the task of cleaning up the roles taken away from them they're, the roles are being centrally managed now at the state level and that's absolutely true in your state of wyoming i've I've shown graphs showing that your state roles are being centrally controlled at the state level. I, I, I can uh, It's a very compelling graph I've, I showed when I was here in January. And I'll show that again this week as I'm traveling through your
0: state. Well, now, one of the things that, you know, Wyoming <laughs> that I have heard over and over and over is that, well, the voter rolls are controlled, um, you know, by this computer program and that when somebody registers at another address in a different town, perhaps. Well, the system automatically removes them from their previous address. And even in the small little town of Buffalo that I live in, um, I can prove that that's not the case. That those folks, (laughs) you know, maybe they didn't register to vote at their new address, but I know in at least one instance, uh, the the folks that lived at this previous address were, you know, they're the type of people that show up at 7 a.m. right when the polls open and they never miss an election. So, right. you know, even though our state is saying, well, you know, our voter rolls are taken care of automatically, um, I have empirical proof that that's not exactly happening.
2: You're spot on. And and that's exactly, I mean, that's a perfect example, one of many, why you don't want to rely on central control of your rolls. You, you want your local people to control your local voting
1: rolls. So David, you mentioned computer programs, and this is a little bit aside from the the stream of thought here but from my perspective it ought to be very simple if if you're have some sort of a computer that's reading the votes it simply tallies but i keep hearing about algorithms i keep hearing about all these other programs that why in the hell frankly would we need an algorithm to simply count can you address that
2: Yeah. um, Elections are the simplest mathematics. It's one plus one plus one plus one. There's no there's no justification for making it more complicated than that. Um, What election companies do is they try to sell programs to the state or the county to make adjudication easier. So, for example, they'll say, well, you don't want to just add one plus one plus one. You want to be able to have automatic routines that that recognize when a, 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 there's been an overvote, you know, an, or when there's been an undervote or there's a stray mark. And so you need it to be sophisticated. And so that's, you know, one of the reasons that it'll get, they'll make it more complicated. But I, I don't see any justification uh, for the more complicated uh, approach. It's too easy to do it right <laughs> and, yeah. and simply count. And all you're doing is making yourself vulnerable. In in your state, um, in Wyoming, you guys use es and as uh, your vendor for those machines. And those machines, I can prove to you, um, report the tallies in real time. So they're not merely counting. They're also telling the bad guys <laughs> in real time what your tallies are. And you're basically giving away the information that someone would need to stuff your elections.
1: Okay, you said they're killing the bad guys. Now, my understanding is that these, although they do have computers, that there's a, a firewall. They're not in any way connected to the Internet. So, therefore, how do the bad guys gain access?
2: So I met with the Secretary of State recently in a large southern state. I won't give his away his identity on this place, but I'll tell you later if you want to know. Um and I sat down with him across his kitchen table, and we hacked into every single one of his machines in every county, <laughs> in every one every one of his counties in his state. And he told me the same thing, and I can just go state after state after state and show you that people think they're secure, but they're not. And so the ES&S machines, are, you have the DS200s, for example, those have modems built right in it. And then people say, well, they're not connected to the internet. Well, yeah, that's one of those what is the definition of is is kinds of comments because they don't connect to your local Wi-Fi, They don't connect to your local internet. Guess what they do? They call the cell tower. Okay. Would you say that your phone is connected to the internet? No, but can it connect to the internet through the cell tower? You bet it can. Um, and that's, so they'll say these phrases and it's like they're crafted phrases. Hmm. They think they have secure networks, but anyone I've been teaching computer classes, my, you know, for 40 years. And I always tell my students, don't do anything on your computer that you don't want the world to know because there are no secure computers. The government can't secure their computers. The military can't secure their computers. Banks can't secure their computers. What makes you think in your government office that your computers are secure and your networks are secure? It's ridiculous.
0: Okay. So let me just give you a little pushback on that one. There's probably no argument that has been more challenged than that one. Now, in Wyoming, I've personally heard our Secretary of State, multiple Secretaries of State say that the ESNS machines in Wyoming are not connected to the internet and they do not contain modems. Now, if that's true, and I, you know, I don't know that it is, if they don't contain modems, how can they connect to the internet?
2: I agree with you. If they don't contain modems, they can't connect. So, have you opened it up and looked inside?
0: No, I haven't personally.
2: And neither have they. You know why? Because they're sealed. And if they open them, then they have to be recertified. And they are invalid to be used by the state. So in other words, you're in a situation where it's there's no way for you to verify it. However, I could show you the purchase orders for Wyoming when they were shipped, their DS200s in 2020, that show that they were all shipped with modems. And... They, they're told that they can't connect to the internet because they're turned off with a password. But the DS200s that you bought come fully equipped. Why? Because that's the standard model. And it's not just me saying that. The EAC, which is the Election Assistance Commission of the United States, it's a federal agency that polices this, caught ESNS doing that and forced them to admit it to all their customers that they had done that. In some states, like North Carolina, North Carolina sent in people county by county to open up every one of those machines and remove the modems. Have they done that in your state? No. That's, that's my point. You have that. You have that capability. By the way, those modems can be turned on remotely, um, which is exactly what I was doing in my big southern state example I just gave you. We were going in county by county. If the machines are plugged in, the motherboards are hot. They don't look like the machines are on, but the motherboards are hot, and you can remotely turn on the modem and then talk to them. That's 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 the way they are. So I I don't have to prove that ESNS is shipping fully equipped um, machines. It's it's a matter of public record. In fact, Politico exposed it in twenty two in a twenty twenty article as well. It's in the public it's in the public domain. I I would argue that this this we could go back and forth. You know, and argue about this all day long. How about let's just open the machines and have a look? And the fact that your state won't is all the evidence I need is all the all the reason for suspicion that every citizen in your state should have to be concerned, because if who owns the elections? The citizens own the elections. Oh, but the state isn't going to let you audit your own election. The state isn't going to let you make sure your equipment is fair. The state is going to hide it. When I was here in January, I was appalled. I listened to um, a committee of your legislature arguing about two bills. I think it was number five and number six. And one of them was to to allow The voter ID to be released to the public. Do you know that every single state in the United States does that? Why would you guys not do that? It's like your state goes out of its way to hide as much as it can from the citizens. That doesn't increase trust in your citizens. That increases suspicion. So that was a long way of coming back around to your modem question. All they have to do is open up the machines and let us look. And then the issue's over. Why won't they
1: do that? The same question would be applied to that Park County incident. They wanted to go back to an election in 2020 that was already over and done with and just verify that the hand count would match what had come out. But they wouldn't let them. Yeah, they would not let them and they destroyed – the ballot so that it could not be done
2: does that increase confidence in your, with your citizens in your elections no, no that
0: increases suspicion <laughs> that's a perfect example of how you create a conspiracy theory we'll get back to our interview in just a second but first a completely outrageous profit timeout <laughs> Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe a giant warehouse for your business, then you need to call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in what they do, and they've been doing it longer than anybody else. So, Doesn't really matter what type of metal structure you've been thinking about, give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Right now is the highest we've ever seen gun markets, and the best performers are the vintage collectible firearms, Winchesters, Colts, and rare military weapons. Over in Cody, Gunrunner Auctions is one of the leading online auction houses in the country. Right now is the highest we've ever seen gun markets, and the best performers are the vintage collectible firearms, Winchesters, Colts, and rare military weapons. Over in Cody, Gunrunner Auctions is one of the leading online auction houses in the country, and they're celebrating their 24th year. Gunrunner Auctions is unique in that their specialty is estate firearms. They get calls all week long about lifelong gun collections coming to auction. Scott Weber, the owner, has been into firearms for almost 60 years, and he'll first travel to the estate and appraise the firearms for the heirs, and then he takes them to his Cody auction facility where he and his team research them, sometimes getting factory letters from the Cody Museum to learn more about each firearm's history. Every month, beginning on the 7th, Scott and his crew post 500 fine firearms for sale, All of them start at 20 bucks with no reserve. Gunrunner Auctions only charges 15% for selling your precious firearms. Gunrunner Auctions has sold the personal collections of Elvis Presley, Steve McQueen, Alex McCord, and Herb Parsons, just to name a few. With their 40,000 bidders in all 50 states, they'll realize the highest prices for your precious firearms. That's GunrunnerAuctions.com And now, my friends... The moment you've all been waiting for. Our Buffalo Wool Company sock drawing. Now, as I told you, Ron and Teresa at the Buffalo Wool Company are going to to give away three pairs of socks on this program. We're going to do that here in just a second. To be eligible for this program, you had to post why you think you deserve a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks on either Facebook or Twitter. So they're going to give away one pair for those folks who posted on Facebook, and one pair for those that posted on Twitter, and then one, we're going to throw all the names in the hat, and then pull one more out. I have in my hands one of the absolutely incredible Cowboy State Politics baseball caps. No, not the one I wear every day. Oh, and by the way, if you want one of those hats, send me 30 bucks, and I'll ship one to you. So I have all of the names in the hat. Let's mix them up. Drumroll, please. And the winner from Facebook is Tory Alexander Harris. From Twitter... And I don't really know who these people are yet, but it is at Doodle Crazy. Throw them all back in the hat, and the third pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks goes to Robin Berry from Cody. Well, that was entirely too much fun. I'll be in touch later on this afternoon with the three of you to get some shipping information and to find out what size of sock we should send you. And now, the conclusion to our interview with Dr. Douglas Frank. I have one more skeptical question for you, and then oh, fire away. And then I want to get into some specifics about Wyoming. And sure, I mean, my question's pretty simple. I mean, if the only thing that we're asking for is to open up the machines and say, "Hey, there's no modem there," um, aren't we kind of asking them to prove a negative? Isn't it kind of like saying, Pro- "Prove that this isn't true," instead of
2: the opposite? I I appreciate that question. That isn't the only thing I'm asking. Um, The machines – the the, the phrase I like to use is it doesn't matter how many times you count the cash in the register. What matters is how many of the bills in the register are counterfeit. In other words, the machines are not necessarily manipulating the election. The machines are reporting the tallies and what you – Care about is are the ballots that are coming in really from who you think they're coming in from? And you've dramatically increased the number of ballots you accept where you've lost chain of custody. You're mailing them, you're allowing people to drop them off anonymously. Um, the, so the machines aren't all I'm asking for. In fact, I think, you know, I work closely with Mike Lindell on a lot of projects, and that's his main theme is get rid of the machines, get rid of the machines. My main theme is you need to decentralize the elections because they're being hacked through the rolls. Um, I can show case after case where ballots were stuffed afterwards to match the tally that the machines were reporting. So that's that's sort of, I, I, I didn't answer your question directly perhaps, but it's not that simple. In, in other words, the, the assumption in your question was, well, aren't we asking to prove a negative? No, I'm saying increase the the transparency of the election so that people will have confidence in it again we own our elections the people own our elections not the state why is the state telling us they're going to run the election and not let us watch that's you don't go when you deposit money into a bank you don't go up and give them a stack of bills and they say we'll be right back we're going to go in the back room and count these bills we'll be back in a minute no they count the money in front of you And then maybe afterwards, they'll drop them on one of those little machines and it'll it'll count it and double check it. They count it in front of you. Why? Because they're being transparent in the process so that you'll trust the count. Why won't your state be transparent in its processes? That's That's the real question.
0: Well, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think that any time that you don't have transparency, it, it breeds suspicion at the very right. least. Um, so let's talk specifically about Wyoming. I mean, what have you investigated here? What have you found?
2: Well, the first thing that's really quite stunning, and I've, you know, I, I, people think that I, um, you know, promote conspiracies a lot, but mostly what I do is just show people their own data. And when they see their own data, they go, huh? That's us? How could that be us? So one of the graphs that I show is I show that your state, every single county in your state, follows the same pattern of inflation and deflation. In other words, before every federal election, your rolls suddenly fill up with all these people. And then after the elections, suddenly your rolls all deflate. And on average, for your state, your rolls fluctuate 25% every two years. Is your population changing 25% every two years? I don't think so. In fact, I I was just looking at the uh, population today in Sheridan where, where I am right now, and it's been basically flat for a few years here. Why would your role suddenly grow and sh- by 25 percent right before election and then suddenly be depleted by 25 percent over and over again? Well, guess what? It's not just your count, Sheridan County. It's every single county in the state. They all follow the exact same pattern. So you better believe it's, it's uh, a computer program doing that. But, as you pointed out, the rolls are dirty. Well, wait a minute. If the rolls are dirty, what's all this adding and subtracting of voters taking place? So that's, that, that's something very specific to Wyoming that I think is important.
0: Okay, so one quick question on that. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. No, so no, that's okay. Are you talking about actual registered voters, or are you yes. referring to registered voters in a specific party?
2: Actual registered voters.
0: Okay, because if it was party, then I might, <laughs> you know, yes. that would be easier to prove because we did have uh, a little crossover voting problem that we fixed in the I, last I know about that. Yeah. Session. No, I'm talking
2: about actual registered voters. And the beautiful thing is I just, it, it people don't... It takes a lot of work. I mean, I spend days of time downloading data, processing data, so that I can even show people their own results. And nobody ever sees this. When I show this to clerks, they're like, what? That's my county? And and you can verify. And sure, check me, verify. And, they, and it always comes out. True, why? Because I'm using your own data, right from your own official sources. People are just not – people aren't aware it's happening because it's a lot of work to be able to even look at it. So that – that's one thing. Another thing about your state that's that's really very telltale. And and by the way, Wyoming voted more than any other state in the country voted for Trump mm-hmm. three to one. So you're the most conservative, I would say. You're the most red citizens in the country. As a, but if you look at the voting pattern of your legislature, it's not very red and. Uh, And what what you'll notice is last year, I I just love it. You know, you guys got your gander up and you replaced the senator. You replaced Liz Cheney, right? I love that, that the people woke up and said, we're going to fix this problem. That's beautiful. I love grassroots movements like that. But at the same time, you replaced your secretary of state um, with you. And he basically campaigned on election integrity. Well, what's the first thing your legislature is trying to do now that he's in office? Trying to take away. Um, his ability to clean up the elections think about that what message does that send to your people they voted in a secretary of state to clean up your elections and now the legislature is taking away his authority that that's very suspicious but i have to just tell you it's not just you it's happening all
1: around the country that's that's something that wyoming has done several times before whenever they get a conservative in one of those big five positions, the next move is to try to emasculate them or, or cut them out of the system. We fought it back this time. We brought, I don't know how many I was co-sponsored on working very closely with secretary of state gray. Yes. In in feeling, fulfilling his wish list of these are bills that we need to run. Yep. And the resistance was incredible. Um,
2: so and you yeah. i bet your public wouldn't resist it no. but your legislature is and that's my point yeah. the legislature it's not just yours every single legislature in this country has succeeded in centrally controlling their elections and and it's just it's the old rule of government you never give it power because if you give it power it's hard to get back and and that's what's happened they don't want to give up control
0: so so would uh, would audits help in in this transparency effort
2: yeah, it, it depends what you mean by an audit. Um, for example, you need to audit every voter and you need to audit every machine and you need to audit every k- count. And, you need to, uh, and in other words, if the whole thing were just transparent from beginning to end, it could be audited along the way. Let me give you a simple example. Let's say you're running the polls in your local precinct and you count up a certain number of ballots and you turn in that number. Wouldn't it be nice if you could then check and make sure that that number was included properly in the total tally? Guess what? There is no way for the local precinct manager to do that. In other words, the ability to self-audit for all the participants is also removed. In other words, there's so little transparency that even the people in the system can't audit it themselves.
0: So the reason I asked you that question is there was a random audit, not of every ballot, but there was a random audit in every county in Wyoming last year. Now, what they did is they took, based on population, they would select a sample of ballots and then um, go through and see if the ballot matched what the machine recorded. And I I attended that audit here in Johnson County. Every single one of them checked out. I think there was 116 ballots. The The only thing that really bugged me about it is they wouldn't let like, they would show the ballot on the, on the view screen, but they wouldn't let anybody see what the machine recorded. But from everything that the public was allowed to see, you know, they would say, okay, this vote for Cheney, okay, machine recorded Cheney, this vote for Hageman.
2: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did they show you the paper ballots or the, the digital, digital image, image of, of the paper, paper ballots? Ballot. <laughs> okay. And so you're familiar with the the case with Dr. Shiva in Massachusetts, where every fourth image... Digitally created was a copy of a previous. Yeah, I had,
0: image. I had heard about that one.
2: Yeah, and that was proven in court to be true. That's not a hypo- That's not a hypothesis. So, in other words, that's not a very good audit. Well, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> you need to have. You have to start with the paper itself. If you were concerned that the machines were doing what they're supposed to be doing, you need to start with the paper itself and compare. And that's not that's silliness. That, that that's that's a mm-hmm. circular argument. If you're trying to check the machines, you don't use the machines to check the machines. You have to have an outside source. did you have
1: my wife is an election judge and they go through and they count the number of voters that come through there. Excellent. How do they then go check the number of voters that came through and voted? They, they have an, under, an overvote, an undervote, that sort of thing. How is that audited and where are we falling? It's down? not. If we are.
2: And, you, and your, your lovely bride who does the work and serves as a judge, ask her when you get home tonight, you know, hey, honey, after you turned in the numbers, did you, were you able to check and make sure that they were included properly in the total tally? And she'll tell you, I wouldn't know how to do that. And part of the problem is that the mail-in ballots are counted different separately from what happens in person. And so they all get convoluted and now there's no way for her to check anything. It's sort of the system's almost designed to keep everybody from knowing anything.
0: The way I look at it is, this, it's this giant Rube Goldberg machine that is is so so well, much said. more complicated than it actually needs to be.
2: I always tell people, you know, you voted
0: for the prom queen, you know how to do this.
1: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't cuz it was my sister.
0: <laughs> I've got just a few minutes left, but I wanted to give you a chance to respond to sure. some of the some of the things that I found on Google. I'm sure that you're aware of all of them. Um but sure. You know, the, most of the articles I pulled up, let's just see here. Here's one of them that says, uh, Pillow Guys, election-denying, welcomed at meeting. Here's another one that says, After January 6th, Capitol riot, the key purveyor of the big lie. How would you respond to some of those?
2: Well, those t- talking about Mike Lindell. I well,
0: think this, one, about me. this one says Douglas um, Franks claims he negotiated a deal. Okay, <laughs> sorry.
2: Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I've done quite a few events. So I, Mike's alter egos. Yeah, I, I when Mike needs data analysis, he calls me up. I so I do provide him a lot. Um, I what am I responding, uh, am I responding to? The, um, I all, everything I show are just the data. I show people their own data, and that's and then I have people knock on doors and find fraud, and it's confirmed by the sheriffs. That's how. That's how I'm getting county after county around the country to um, to cent- decentralize their elections, because we prove it. it if it were me, just – see, I'm a scientist, right? It's one thing to have a hypothesis. It's another thing to do an experiment to test that hypothesis. So, for example, in, in several of your counties, um, we're going to be organizing teams, and we're going to go out and knock on doors. And if we don't find any fraud, I'll be the first one to say, we didn't find any fraud. Way to go, guys. But um, – Something tells me we're going to find a lot because all the same symptoms are in your state as I find in the other states. Um, you guys just make it harder because you're one of the least transparent states in the country.
1: So what's what's the end game? If, if we're finding this fraud, have we been successful in fixing anything in other states Or are we just running around and pointing fingers and saying it's broken, it's broken?
2: That's a great question. The end game is we need the people to be aware of what's happening and to take back control of their elections. And for example, um, I've got a county in Northern California, Shasta County, that's doing precisely that. They're going all paper. I've got several counties. I don't want to list them all because as soon as you say what they are, then they get under national attack. But I'm willing to mention Shasta because they're already under national attack and everybody knows. But I've got multiple counties, about 25 so far across the country, that are going back to local control. They are. They, they print their own ballots, they distribute their own ballots, they retrieve their own ballots, they count their own ballots, they police their own roles. And when you do that, then you're much more confident in the outcome of the election, as long as we're giving away control to somebody else. So, so the end game for me is, um, it, it is back to a system where the people are, are in control the people are civically engaged in their – one of their most important responsibilities.
1: But the people that are in control of the counties are the county commissioners. And you know we we do a lot of, of talk about who you're going to vote for for governor, who you're going to vote for for yeah. U.S. senator and all yeah. those other things. And we pay attention. Well, what about for school board? What about mm-hmm. for county commissioner? Mm. What about for county clerk?
2: Yeah, those are ma- those are critically. The important. school board might be the most important office you, election you have. Yeah. Um, and as those elections are constantly manipulated, I've proven that in multiple counties, but you but you made a great point that the local elections are controlled by the local commissioners so for example how did we win in shasta well we sent the citizens out they found the fraud they demanded that it it was confirmed by the sheriff they demanded it be dealt with the commissioners wouldn't deal with it so the citizens just kept building a movement and finally they got the commissioners to quit because they made their lives miserable elected new commissioners new commissioners so that's just good old-fashioned grassroots america right there
1: yeah but it doesn't fix it tomorrow and i want to (laughs) fix tomorrow.
2: (laughs) well they've They've got a head start on us, right? They got a 20-year head start on us. We didn't get here o- overnight. It, 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 we're basically waking up America, yeah. and you know we've we've lost a lot of we've lost sight of what America was all about. Our founding fathers gave us this experiment in self-government. And we've just become complacent, and we've allowed other people to do these most critical tasks. You know, people don't want to get involved in politics. Ooh, yucky, politics are, you know, nasty. <laughs> no way. Everybody needs to take a turn. It, it's supposed to be us doing it. Um, and, you know, and we've done the same. We've been paying other people to teach our children. We've been paying other people to run our governments. We've been paying other people to run our elections. I can't har- there are very few things more important than that. We should be doing those things
0: with You're our You're exactly own right, hands. and I, I think that's an excellent place. Place to end it well dr. Franks um, I appreciate you being a good sport with my somewhat critical questions so uh, where can if people want to come see your presentation where can they find you
2: well I'm going to be um, six different counties here in um, in uh, Wyoming in fact my uh, assistant here is about to bring up the schedule if you want I'm going to be in there um, we go I'm going to be in Sheridan tomorrow night the 27th I'm going to be in Cody, the 28th, Riverton, the 29th, Evanston, the 30th, and Cheyenne, the 31st. And um, that information uh, would be – I'm going to be posting it on my website tonight uh, so people can see it that way. The easiest way is just to go to one of my social media pages. Uh, follow the data with Dr. Frank is typically how to find me or, or Douglas G. Frank on Facebook or, or or follow the data with Dr. Frank on on. Well, I'll post all these announcements. so people Excellent. Well, again,
0: it. thank you very much for taking the time to visit with us. And uh, good luck on your presentations. Well, thank you. All of that being said, I'm not entirely convinced that there was widespread fraud in the 2020 election in Wyoming. Now, there was certainly widespread fraud in the country, but I don't know that it happened in every single county in the state of Wyoming. Are there questions? Certainly. Do the actions of some Wyoming elected officials raise concerns? Absolutely. I want to leave you with one example that proves that claim. Through a Freedom of Information Act request, Cowboys state politics obtained documents from the Wyoming Secretary of State's Office related to the ESNS machines that are used in Wyoming elections. It's a list of questions that the state of Wyoming asked ESNS related to the machines that we purchased. It's attachment A to the contract between the state of Wyoming, Office of the Secretary of State, and Election Systems and Software, LLC. It clearly shows that the machines are capable of Internet connectivity. The problem with it is the portion of the attachment that would answer whether or not the machines post results to the Internet is redacted. There are two distinct possibilities for this, either A they absolutely do post results to the internet, or B, what was redacted would jeopardize the integrity of Wyoming's elections. The thing is, we don't know because that section was blacked out. Now we can speculate what they removed, but you can't prove it one way or another. One thing is absolutely certain though, sending out this document with portions of it being redacted raises questions as to what it is that these machines are capable of. But as I pointed out in the interview, It would be very easy to slip into the rabbit hole of asking the Secretary of State's office to prove a negative. What I mean by that, asking them to prove that they're not doing something, as opposed to the reverse of us proving that they did do something. That's akin to me saying, prove to me that you're innocent, and then I'll let you go. Nothing in our system works like that. So while it is absolutely legitimate, and sometimes required, to ask questions, We shouldn't draw conclusions from things that we don't know yet. So, operate on facts and not conjecture, and avoid the rabbit holes. All of the documents that I mentioned during this morning's broadcast will be available at CowboyStatePolitics.com. There's a lot of them, so it's going to take me a while to upload them, but I should have them available sometime this afternoon. Don't forget about tomorrow's live broadcast that begins at 10 a.m., You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or at the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.